0: Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast, brought to you by Revision Path, a showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. I'm Maurice Cherry, and before I get started this week, there are two points that I want to mention. Uh, First up, it's our one year anniversary. Thank you so much to all of you who have listened to the podcast, read the interviews, and shared them with your friends and colleagues. I wrote up a post about the first year of Revision Path, some of the challenges that I faced, and where Revision Path is going in the future. You can check it out at revisionpath.com. Let me know what you think. Secondly, we've got a quick survey available that should take about three to five minutes to complete. Uh, the results of the survey will help us shape the future of our vision path. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. This week, I talk with Alicia Randolph, a creative professional in Washington, D.C. Here we go. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. All right, my name is Alicia Randolph,
1: and I am a creative professional, and currently, I am freelancing full-time.
0: How long have you been freelancing full-time?
1: I've been freelancing full-time for about five months now.
0: Okay. How's it been so far?
1: So far, it, it was a, a, a rough start initially, but as of right now, things are wonderful. I'm getting a lot more exposure. I feel great working my own hours, being my own boss, and being able to directly connect with my clients other than you know having a middleman in between. It right. feels really, really good.
0: No, that's awesome. So five months. So that's not that long. What what sort of uh, I guess spurred you to go and do this freelance, like start start your own thing?
1: Well, previously I was creative director for a popular sign shop in Washington D.C. Okay, and I ended up having to part ways with them. But it part of it spurred from the fact that I really was ready to do my own thing. You know, ever since I've started with graphic design about 13 years ago, I just knew that this was going to be my thing. And even though I enjoyed, you know, as far as my work experience working for FedEx office as a science and graphics specialist with, with doing some design things on the side, and I've worked with a couple of other sign shops as a graphic designer, even though it was pretty cool working as a part of a team, I just had the feeling, I just knew that I was meant to be a leader, you know, doing this thing on my own and possibly starting my own creative agency. Mm -hmm. So it really feels good to be taking that big first step, you know, into my dream.
0: Yeah. And it's good that, like you said, it's already been five months and you're getting into a good, uh, a good rhythm. When you, when you first started out, what was like the hardest thing that you had to kind of come to terms with?
1: Well, the hardest thing actually was rebranding myself. Okay. this is the third time that I have you know, created my portfolio, my website and everything, but I wanted to steer away from some of my, my previous freelance names and just kind of just wanted to step out, just branding myself as a creative professional, not just building a company with just me behind the scenes. I wanted to brand myself and just show me as a creative saying, hey, I am the one that is creating these things for you it's just me it's all me you mm-hmm. know pure and professional <laughs> I
0: got you,
1: I got you. so i had to come up with i wanted to come up with a logo and you know a tagline and whatnot just to say you know this is me just just coming out again as a designer
0: mm-hmm.
1: but once i got all of that together you know rebuilding my portfolio coming up with new pieces it was a breeze and either the after that Getting new clients was a breeze because people enjoyed seeing my new work compared to my old work. Uh-huh. You
0: know? So, I was, I was, yeah. that's a that's a, a good segue. I was gonna say, what's uh, what's the best way for you to find new work, or like, how do you choose your clients? It sounds like to me that when you left, you sort of already had some people in mind that were ready to go with you.
1: Right. I first I first started with people who own other small businesses that I enjoy. Um, I have, when I recently cut my hair, I used to have dreadlocks,
0: Okay.
1: my barber used to go to high school with me and she had just finished barbering school and she was looking to get new clients herself. So I offered to create her a website, you know, as a portfolio showing, you know, how she has grown as a barber, you know, her barber portfolio. Mm -hmm. And so once we got her site up and running, you know, she gained more clients herself who also were small business owners saying, hey, how can I get a website like yours? Oh,
0: nice.
1: Right. And I also have a very dear friend of mine who is a jewelry designer, and I've helped her with her marketing, her online marketing, and her print marketing to help showcase her jewelry pieces and, you know, appeal more online and in local areas in D.C. And she has also gained a higher following and people saying, hey, how can I get business cards and flyers like yours? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's just bringing in more clientele for me. The more that I help the people who I appreciate, the more business that's coming my way.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like they also, like you're saying, they help with getting more business coming into you just by publicizing the work that you do. Right. It's, it's not like you come in, you do the work, and then they only call you when they need you. Right. It's more of, it's like a, I wouldn't say a symbiotic, but it's, it's definitely more of a partnership where they're trying to help you, you're helping them. Exactly. You're both growing up in that way. Uh, So you say you've been doing design now for about 13 years. How did you get started with all this?
1: Well, initially, in in the beginning, it started off as a hobby. I used to be an avid fine artist. You know, I enjoyed drawing and sketchbooks. You know, I've always loved art class in middle school, high school, etc. But somebody introduced me to... It wasn't Photoshop. It was some other kind of design program. I cannot think of the name of it to save my life. Was it uh, Paint Shop Pro? No, it wasn't Paint Shop. I can't. I can't remember what it was. It was one of those. It was. It was. It's silly. I think it was one of those types of um, design programs that come with, like when you buy a new printer.
0: Uh huh. Oh, okay.
1: Design software.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So somebody showed me how to escape some of the default settings in that program and completely like create some other things. And of course it was, it was simple thing. It was simple things for fun. Like, you know, designs of some of my favorite singers like Usher and Aaliyah, you know, to put on message boards and say, Hey, look, I designed something of my favorite singer. Mm -hmm. And then somebody told me, you know, you can go to school and get paid for doing cool things like that. Right. (laughs) 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 And So, Once that information was passed on to me, I did my research on seeing what type of schools offered the best programs for me to get into in order to be successful in this, because if I could earn money for doing something that I absolutely love to do just for fun, I was all for it. Mm -hmm. So all through high school, you know, I I continued to design QC little things and experimented, you know, doing some kind of pro bono work for professional things. Like, for instance, I was in NJROTC in high school. And we were, we were very popular as far. Our drill team was very good. Our athletic team was very, very good. And they wanted to have a website to showcase our awards. So they asked me, the public affairs officer, to design a website. And I think that was my, my first official website that was online and everybody knew about it. So that, that was, I think my first accomplishment. And from there, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to. Definitely continued down the path of graphic design and wanted to learn more about web design and web development. And 13 years later, here I am. Uh,
0: where did you end up going to school for design?
1: Initially, um, I was trying to go to Savannah College of Art and Design and it didn't work out. But I ended up going to North Carolina A&T okay. for years, got a good footing there, and then things didn't work out there. So I finished my degree at Westwood College. I have my Associate's in Graphic Design and my Bachelor's in Visual Communications.
0: Okay. That's, you know, it's interesting because I know that a lot of people that we've, uh, we've interviewed um, have sort of taken that kind of non-traditional, well, I don't know if it's really non-traditional, but they've taken this route where it may have started at um, an institution of higher learning, like a college or university, and then switched to something that was more focused on a particular skill. So like right. colleges like Westwood, Full Sail University, um, New York City College of Technology, like they're focused towards specific things. And then from there, that's where they've been able to really build their success as opposed to going through a like four year program at an art school or something right. like that. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. I'm just thinking like 13 years ago, um, you know, the web was like, <laughs> web was, a, was a desolate place. That was what, like 2001? Right. That was. <laughs> You know, that was Shockwave files and, and 800, exactly. about 600 still.
1: Was... AOL was just pretty much breaking
0: out. Yeah, that's wow. No email addresses, right. Did you have uh, any mentors that helped you along the way?
1: Oh, I've had quite a few. Um, one definitely, mench- um, definitely that I should mention is um, Tony Daugherty. He is no longer with us. He passed away a few years ago. Oh. but he was one of my greatest greatest web design mentors he had his own web design company that he um he was you know freelancing from his home you know and taking care of his wife and kids and then he was teaching on the side and he was teaching he was my professor for my web design class and once he saw that i had a pretty good self-taught knowledge he really took me under his wing and taught me a lot of things that completely blew my mind back then like it's, it's pretty standard now like you know css and things of, of that nature but he really helped me to become further advanced in web design on his own even though it was, it was a basic class he really took me to higher heights and he had a lot of faith in me he told me that one day i was going to be very very successful in the field And so, ever since he's passed away, I've really been focusing on, you know, staying true to that word. Wow. Really, really great.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about, I guess, just design in general. So, you've been around 13 years. I mean, when I think about people in the design industry that have been around this long, they're, you know, speaking and doing keynotes. They're, you know, kind of known in the industry. I feel like for people of color that are in this industry that have been around just as long, sometimes getting those opportunities is, uh, is a lot harder <laughs> because even though we can do great work and, you know, there's a thing in the design and tech community about making sure that your work speaks for you, I think, you know, as people of color, we know that's not the case or that's not always the case. Um, you're in D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you involved with the local design community in D.C. at all? I'm
1: actually beginning to start getting my name on these lists now. Like I just found out about creative mornings in DC. Okay. I'm trying to um, start attending these events and I want to, um, I once applied to IADA DC and I haven't heard back from them, but I'm definitely trying to be a part of this because you're right. Like we definitely need to have more faces of color you know, be recognized in this industry because we can really do these things. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm following, um, I think it's Black Girls Code on Twitter, and Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely phenomenal because I'm always saying, I think, you know, women of color should definitely be pursuing more fields in technology, especially in coding. And so when I saw that they actually have a group that is encouraging, you know, young girls to start coding from a young age, I think that is beautiful. So... As far as the local community in D.C., I am, you know, since, like I said, I'm, I'm freelancing full time now and I like to do my work later in the evening. I'm spending my morning trying to, you know, be a part of these organizations and get more information from
0: them. OK, let's talk a bit about balance. Um, mm-hmm. So you went from a sort of nine to five world to a freelance world. How has it been sort of balancing those two things? Cause I'm guessing you were also doing freelance while you did your your regular nine to five is that right yes i was um
1: i have been in the sign industry for seven years and during that time in my evenings i was mostly freelancing web design work pretty much to keep it from being a conflict of interest you Mm -hmm. know to keep the keep the print work nine to five and the web work you know in my home studio and for a while it it definitely required um a lot of coffee (laughs) you know but it ended up it ended up you know being even though it was quite a bit of work it still ended up being relieving because i absolutely love doing web design so if i spend my day doing graphic design which i absolutely you know love to do and then come home and doing The other thing that I love to do, at the end of the day, I feel absolutely fulfilled because I'm living my dream. I'm, you know, providing my services to people through a company that I'm working for and then also on my own. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it was definitely worthwhile.
0: Now, also sort of playing along the same theme of balance, uh, aside from being a graphic designer, you're also a web developer. Yes. And... I, we, we sort of talked about this a little earlier that um, I think when people think of a, a designer, like when they think web design, um, and this is just we're talking just normal lay people and they think of web design, they're not really aware of all the nuances of what goes into it. Like web design is a very broad term mm-hmm. so that encompasses a lot of different uh, things, it's graphic design, it's web development, it's UX, it's UI, it's user psychology, it's statistics, it's content strategy, it's, you know, it's a lot of stuff under one, you know, kind of overarching umbrella. And you do you do both as well as, um, you know, you said you sort of mentioned like doing some business cards and print design and things like that. Mm-hmm. How do you balance between those two? Because I think the the conception, or the, the not conception, the assumption is that um, graphic design and web development are like these right brain, left brain activities. Like they don't really right. mix.
1: Right. You'll find a lot of people, they, they choose one path and, and stick to it. They'll say, oh, I'm a graphic designer. So no, I don't do web design. I don't do web development or, oh, I'm a web developer and you know, I don't know design. So you're going to have to find another designer. And then a lot of times that ends up being frustrating for people who are maybe startups and are looking to completely brand their business. Like, you know, they'll, they'll say, I need a logo. I need business cards. I need flyers. I need this, but I also need a website. I need my social media presence, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so instead of having to run to two or three different people to get these things done, I actually am skilled in both graphic design and web design and web development. So clients can feel comfortable Coming to me and getting the complete package and I enjoy that because you don't have to sacrifice great design in order to get great development you can get it all under one roof and if you if you have a designer that starts off designing your logo and your business cards the flow of your website can follow form just right afterwards right. it makes things a lot easier. And I really like that because, as I said before, I, I definitely enjoy su- supporting small businesses and big businesses, you know, but it's just great to be able to take care of everything at one time.
0: Yeah, I know that in the in the design community, there's seems to be this perennial discussion about should designers be able to code? Should developers be able to design? There's even people that have turned that sort of division into a revenue model where... Yeah you have things like hacker school uh, right. where developers go to learn design principles, or, you know, of course, you've got uh, things like code Academy or, or um, generalist dash with general assembly, where if you are more on the design end, you can learn coding in a, a kind of interactive type of format. So I, I, I agree with you on the, on the notion of sort of being an all in one sort of uh, person that can bring all of those skills to the table. Cause for the client, it just helps out in the long run because they can go to you for everything that they need as opposed right. to, you know, trying to coordinate with two and three different people and then they have to work together and, you know, right. you, you got to read somebody else's code or you got to deal with someone else's like bad Photoshop layering or whatever. Right. So, so, <laughs> so getting it all in one like that um, is, uh, is really good. I, I, I like that. Thank you. So 13 years in the industry, have you done any, any, presenting? Have you done any, any teaching? Like, I feel like you certainly bring a wealth of knowledge to this industry.
1: Right. Um, the most of I've done as far as pre- presenting and teaching, it has been within the companies that I've worked for as far as training, like how to understand the difference between file types, the difference between RGB and CMYK, when to accept certain files from a customer and when to tell them to go back and get the correct files. Because believe it or not, in a lot of these signage industries, mm-hmm. the people, people pretty much have, um, even though everybody's supposed to know a little bit about everything, you know, you end up teaching the people who are not in your department, how to be able to work with the graphics in their own departments, you know? Mm-hmm. So in order to ensure, you know, better customer service, as far as a customer, peop- customer service people knowing what they're talking about and how to explain things to the customer, mm-hmm. and even from the production end to know whether or not the file is going to be, you know, um, it's going to be compatible with their printing system, why the colors are not printing right, you know, things of that nature. And, and I do enjoy, you know, training and teaching because I believe that people should know. It's, it's very important in this industry.
0: hmm knowing that, do you feel a responsibility to contribute to something that's that's larger than yourself? Like, I know you mentioned, for example, Black Girls Code, and, and we talked a little bit earlier about just, you know, representation in this industry. Do mm-hmm. you feel that, that responsibility to kind of do more or help out more? Yes, absolutely, because we, we do, we have,
1: <laughs> we as a people have a great talent, and I honestly feel that Everyone's talent is based on the individual creativity, whether it be writing, drawing, designing, coding, making jewelry, pottery, anything, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is important for people to understand that even though that 3D model poster that may be on the wall looks like it's difficult to do, or this very elaborate website looks like it's difficult to do, you should not limit yourself as far as trying it anyway. You know, and even though we'll see a lot of, you know, um, Caucasian faces when you when you go online and look at interviews about people who are in design and in coding. And when you go into these meetings and seminars and things, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't reach out, you know, and encourage, you know, other people to get in design,
0: too, because
1: right. we absolutely can.
0: Now, do you feel that that's. And it's it's funny you mentioned that there's a piece on um, on Creative Block B L O Q. It's a website that is uh, it's put on by Net Magazine, uh-huh. and Net Magazine has this annual awards event online called the Net Awards, and yeah. people have been taking them to task a lot this year because I think the majority of the nominees are white. There's like a sprinkling of women, a sprinkling of people of color. It's like I think it's seven out of a hundred women, three out of a hundred that are people of color, and so people are like, okay, what is is going on here? Right. Um, and and Net Magazine is based out of Europe, I believe. I, f- I forget mm-hmm. where in Europe they're based out of. So I think they're kind of trying to play that angle and say, well, you know, we just we talk to who we know, and we're in Europe, and you know, there's white people here, so that's who we know to talk to. Uh, right. But they've done, you know, outreach and things like that. Do you think that the onus needs to be on these, these websites and conferences and magazines to reach out to these, you know, kind of fringe communities? Or is it more that these fringe communities need to, like, punch their way up into these, you know, like, conferences and websites and stuff?
1: Honestly, I think it's both. For one, you and I both know we're out here. Mm-hmm. We're definitely here. But a lot of us feel like, you know, oh, it's no point in me trying to pitch myself, you know, to these big publications that feature mostly white people because they're never going to feature me. But if you're walking around with that mentality, how will you ever be seen? Right. You know, so there's that. And also, I feel it is important that, you know, these people who are dishing out awards and, you know, doing interviews for people in this industry should look for more than just you know white people because we're here you can google any you know just look for graphic designer and you'll definitely come across some absolutely amazing african-american designers and you can't just sweep them under the table because of your audience or because you feel like that's what you should be featuring you know black people so it, it it's we're all talented <laughs> and everyone should just all of us as creatives should just continue to push our way forward and have ourselves be known Right. and who are recognizing these creative people to just look at everybody in the eye. Don't overlook anyone.
0: The, the problem that I have is when I hear like the, these, these larger organizations and stuff, they'll say things like, Oh, well we need to take, take baby steps. Or we need to, to evaluate and look and things like that. When, you know, these groups, like you said, like black girls code, like, mm-hmm. you know, all-star code is another one um Mm -hmm. uh, level playing field institute uh hell revision path it's Mm -hmm. not hard to find us if you just do a google search for like black designer exactly you know so i think like it's it's much easier now than it is than it ever has been uh if you're at one of these sort of larger more prominent type of institutions if you're really looking for diversity it's really easy to find. Like it's, it's, it's so easy to find. Like I'm not even joking. And I don't think that our melanin grants us any special research powers. We don't have any kind of ESP to like seek out other Brown folks. Right. Um. So it's not, it's not hard. It's really not hard to just, I mean, that's, That's how I found you. I was Googling and searching for designers and came across your portfolio (laughs) and said, well, let me reach out to Alicia for an interview and here we are. So it's not hard at all. It it really is not hard. I, I wonder what the cognitive dissonance is when people think that it's such a difficult task i'm wondering there's got to be some there's something else there there's some other block that they don't they're not talking about but it's not hard at all because nine times out of ten we want to talk to you we want to tell you what we're doing and absolutely you know, because that kind we're, of
1: thing. Of we're very proud of our work you yeah, know not only
0: are we proud of it but we also rarely have the chance to show it off exactly you right. know like we can work in this industry you know tirelessly for years and years and years and never get recognized for our work, even though we do good work. Right. So, you know, maybe that's a, a failing of these these bigger institutions just not, you know, reaching back and looking out and, and, you know, offering coverage. But certainly it's it's much easier now than it's ever been before. It gets easier, I think, every year it's easier because more and more people see what's out there and they start their own thing. Like, right. Right. Um, a recent website now is uh, Model View Culture, mm-hmm. and it's uh it's uh, it's all woman staff. Well, no, I'm sorry, it's not all women. It's mostly women. I think they have, I think, one or two trans men that also write for them. Okay, uh, But it's it's uh, the, the, the uh, perspective about it is really about like technology, culture and diversity media. So they'll go there and talk about diversity and technology or they'll talk about, you know, women being harassed online or things like this. And it's all from this this perspective that usually when it's voiced, it's shouted down by these other, you know, larger voices, often male by these yeah. other voices that, you know, say, oh, no, we you shouldn't talk about that. We don't want to talk about that. Why are you bringing that up? You know, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, I, I agree with you. It's certainly something where we both have to, we both have to work because while those larger organizations do have to do more outreach, we've also got to be more public. Like we right. have to, we've got to, you know, put ourselves out there more. I can't tell you how many people I've wanted to interview and I have no way to contact them. Oh wow! Like their website has no contact form, or it has a contact form but it doesn't work, or their Twitter account has went you know it's just vacant. So right. like <laughs> like if we want to be out there and we're saying that we're part of this industry, like we have to be you know an active part of this industry. So it's it's right. it's certainly something where we've got to you know kind of do our share as well. What uh, what kind of projects are you working on now?
1: Currently, um, my partner and I have launched a greeting card shop just in time for Valentine's Day.
0: Nice.
1: It is called Ali L. Cards. It is a combination of our names. And these greeting cards are for the people who don't enjoy, you know, reading or sending the, the mushy type. They're, they're pretty much straightforward, to the point, uh-huh. <laughs> saying exactly what you want to say. Okay. How long have uh,
0: have you Fair. had that going now?
1: Um it's only been 3 or 4 days now. Nice. And so far we are approaching 50 sales. That is amazing.
0: That is amazing.
1: It so, is and we we've, we've done a lot of of outreach on social networks. Mhm. Partner Leslie has been doing the majority of it and so far the response from Twitter is that our cards are absolutely hilarious.
0: Yeah, like I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking at the at the Etsy page now, and there's um, I love you like Kanye loves Kanye. <laughs> that is actually our top seller. Really, that is our top <laughs> seller. <laughs> there's there's Hey Boo. There's Cuffin Season. There's Bad Bitch Contest. You in first place. Like <laughs> it's, this is fun. These are fun. I can see why these are really popular. Yes,
1: indeed. We're we're absolutely loving working together. Leslie is a writer. She's written some great articles for Ebony dot com and some other publications. Uh huh. Wonderful writer, and and in her leisure, she's actually she's pretty crass, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's an amazing part of her personality. Like I would never want her to change for the world. <laughs> and so. And so with she comes up with the sayings and with the ideas and when she presents them to me I just put the design work <laughs> put the design work in it and make it happen and I'm also um handcrafting the cards too the the print industry um <laughs> knowledge is coming in handy <laughs> nice because i'm producing them as well so so
0: the i mean these cards these are these are awesome cars do you think you'd ever like branch out and do uh like posters or or do something bigger
1: oh absolutely that's going to be our next step probably within the next month or two after we you know get these these shipments out because our sales just continue to increase <laughs> so once we get this first wave going we're definitely going to brainstorm as far as you know posters and maybe mugs and t-shirts and things of that nature
0: nice who are some of your, um, like, influences? Like, how would you sort of describe your, your graphic design style?
1: Um, That's a good question, because normally, um, well, I'll say a lot of my inspiration comes from visiting Behance.net and Dribbble.com. Oh I gosh. love seeing the work of other creatives. I do. I think that, that fuels me, because it is, it is nice to see people who have been designing as long as I have and even longer and create some phenomenal work that I may deem impossible but the fact that they created it shows that it is possible mm-hmm. so that just you know pushes me to come up with more unique styles I mean seeing, seeing what they're doing gives me an idea but as all designers do we see something and we try to put our own spin on it because that's just who we are
0: Right.
1: So a lot of my inspiration just comes from the millions of other designers that are out there in the world
0: What's the best advice that you've been given uh, regarding what you do? And we can talk about whether that's with design, whether that's with development, whether that's, you know, even with your freelance business. What's, what's some of the best advice that you've gotten?
1: The best advice um, that I've been given is to design my life. is very short and simple. But the reason why that was the best advice that was given to me is because the fact that we are creatives – that mm-hmm. means we are creators. We create things. And whenever you get into a problem, mm-hmm. the, the fact that we have our natural creative energy, we can just put that into something and <laughs> change our problem right around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like for instance, like I said, I parted ways with my previous job and got to going with the freelance work. My life is turned around.
0: There
1: you go. You, you design your life. You, you put your design knowledge you put your creative energy into any and everything that you do and you can solve any problem that you come across at least that's that's how I feel about it
0: all right what uh what music are you listening to right now what, what's uh, oh what's man your any, attention?
1: any and everything right now I'm listening to um, this group disclosure they're okay. kind of on the the, the electro pop kind of edge I guess okay that may not even be the proper way to describe it but they're pretty cool. Um, also, as as you you see with our cards, of course, I'm I'm listening to some some nice hip hop. You know, Kanye, Chief Keef. You know that gets my day going too. Um, pretty much, that's what's mostly been in my rotation between electro music and hip hop, and a little bit of Lianne La Havas when I'm you know relaxing, or Emily King.
0: Oh, oh, I love Emily King. Yeah, Emily King. Oh, I wish she would put out, like, more music on her. She had had something that came out fairly recently. Like, I think it was right around the end of January she came out with a new song that was on. Oh, she did? Her SoundCloud. Yeah, it's, um, what is it called? Emily King. It's called Distance.
1: Oh, I got to check that
0: out. (laughs) Yeah, so if you go to her, her SoundCloud, Emily King Music, um, she put out a, it's, I mean, it's, it's Emily King. So, you know, it's hot. Like it's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really good. All right. So just to, to end things off here, where can uh, our listeners find you online?
1: Okay. You can find me at alisharandolph.com. That is A-L-E-S-H-A-R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H.com. And from there you will find my links to everything else like Twitter, Facebook, dribble linkedin etc i'm probably going to be adding more things on there because you know like i mentioned the etsy shop for the greeting cards definitely going to put that on there Mm -hmm. but you can find me mostly on my website and the rest of the links are at the bottom
0: all right sounds good well alicia randolph thank you again so much for taking time out of your day this has been a, a really good interview i really appreciate it well
1: thank you so much maurice for the opportunity all right
0: And that's it for this week. Thanks to Alicia Randolph, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to take our survey. It will go a really long way in helping build the future for Revision Path. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like what we're doing, you can help sponsor the show. Details will be included in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.